Hey, good morning, Puget Sound Foursquare. Great to have you here this morning. Listen, if you're here with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, welcome home. It's good to have you with us today. Hey, I want to tell you a story. Uh, this last week, uh, there's I have four siblings, and of the five of us, there were four of us that got to get together for dinner this last week, and we try to do that every so often, a couple times a year, uh, maybe three times a year or so. But anyway, this last week, um, when we went up there, of the four of us, there were two Democrats and two Republicans. And uh, need I say more? <laughs> the, uh, the dinner was a fun dinner. I can tell you, we laughed, we cried, we, we sparred, we poked, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the night, you know what was so fun? about having my siblings together, is that we could agree to disagree, we could love each other, and we could care for each other in the process. One thing we fully, all four of us agreed on, uh, was this, that we're not happy with how the world is dealing with this divide between the two political sides, uh, the, these two major political sides, rather, and, and the divide, it's so caustic and mean and vitriolic and all the things that go into that, right? We, we wanted to, we, we all agreed that there's no reason for such meanness, right? That there's, we, we, we were able to agree to disagree and we wanted to do that. Can I just say this, church, as Christians, can we be better than that? I feel like, can we be better than the crazy that we're witnessing all around us? I just I just wish so much that we as Christians could just be better than all of the crazy meanness that we see going on from both sides of whatever aisle that we call sanity. I don't know, man. It's, it's crazy. Listen, tonight, I want to talk to you this morning, rather, about something I think is really important. I want to talk to us this morning about uh, what it means to vote, how to vote. You know, as Christians, I feel like pastors do such a terrible job at talking about some social issues like this. I think, uh, I don't want to, I'm not interested in giving a political viewpoint one way or another, uh, but I am interested in giving you an understanding, a, a biblical understanding of what it is that your responsibility is as a Christian. And I feel like oftentimes we miss this for fear of, uh, I don't know, somehow poking your head up a little high and getting in trouble or something like that. I, I just feel like we've forgotten as Christians how to be light in the darkness. We've forgotten as Christians how to be hope in the midst of despair. We've forgotten as Christians how to be the answer for that which is a, a big question, right? We've forgotten that God has given us so much that we are to bring to a lost and dying and aimless world. Right? I think far too often we as Christians have just joined in the fray and we become one part of this crazy, loud, mean thing. And I feel like God has something us, I feel like he wants us to rise above it all and become something different. In any way, I'll get to that. Here's the unfortunate thing I see in Christianity today. Is I see Christians everywhere quoting political jargon way more than I hear quoting scripture. I see Christians everywhere taking stands on political issues, but very little taking a stand for the cause of Christ. I see very little, if any, Christians praying for people who are lost, but, but, but praying earnestly for their political side. Uh, it's, it's, it's just mean to me. It's, it's, I don't understand it. What happened as Christians to us that uh, we forgot the purpose for which God put us here on the planet? To be hope, to be light. To be peace. Hmm. 
Listen, if you have your Bible, open it up to the book of Psalm 16. Psalm 16, uh, we've been talking about it. We're in a we're in a series entitled Eye Contact. We're in week three of a of a four to maybe five week series, all depending on how long I go. Uh, but but I want to tell you this right now. Uh, psalm 16 is an interesting psalm. We, we planned on speaking out of Psalm 16 a year ago, and and I knew that God would have us here at such a time as this. But what I didn't know was how crazy the climate would be. We didn't know that COVID would be here. We didn't know that the I probably should have guessed that some of the crazy political stuff would happen, but. But, but there's something in Psalm 16 that's amazing to me that, that as I began to dig into it this week, I actually saw tips on how to vote better. You'd, you'd be surprised. I want to tell you to this. I think as Christians, we need some leadership on how to do this voting thing. Some of you are voting absentee. Some of you are voting in the polls. Can I just tell you this? Just vote. We need you to vote. You need to vote. It's got to be that. You can't complain if you don't vote, right? So vote. And we get an opportunity to be Jesus in the midst of our and of, of our levying a vote, if you will. Right? I love this. I believe this series called Eye Contact is so important. I believe that if we kept our focus or if we were to put goggles or glasses that look like Jesus on and everything we looked at was through the lens of Jesus, that somehow it would change the way we looked at the planet. If we could filter everything we looked at through the lens of Jesus, it would change how we carry ourselves. It would change how we communicate. It would change how we how we um, uh, buy things. It would change how what we do with our lives. It would change everything. Open your Bibles, if you could, to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Now, we know this because I've been talking about this. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the last two weeks, go online and, and back up a little bit. And you'll see if you scroll up that you'll get to see a couple of uh, the last two introductory uh, lessons out of Psalm 16, where we literally touched on verses 1 and the next week, verse 2. Today, we're going to go a little farther, but, but I want to take us down a road slow, not in a fast way, but I'm going to cover a few verses today. But, but, but suffice it to say, know this, the psalm of, uh, this is the psalm of David, David wrote this, it was called, a, a, um, sometimes you'll read a psalm and it'll say that this is a, a song or uh, um, a time to be quiet, it'll say sila or something like that. This is what was called michtam, and michtam means to to, to it's like some people thought it was a musical term, some people thought it was something more than that, but really the word michtam is really all about a precious secret, right? So remember when you were kids and you would tell a secret and you would lean forward and you would say, come in close and you would tell a secret? You wouldn't shout it out, right? You would lean in, right? The, the psalmist is writing this, telling us, lean in and listen intently, right? Lean in and listen intently to something. All right, Psalm 16, 1 through 11, read the whole thing. It says, keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you're my master. All good things I have are from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Those who chase after other gods will be filled with sorrow. I will not take part in their sacrifices or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You are my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land that you have given me is a pleasant land, a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Listen to this. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. 
No wonder my heart is filled with joy and my mouth shouts his praises. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave your soul, my soul, among the dead or allow the God, your godly one to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me a joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. So good, right? Voting. What is voting? And what does Jesus have to say here? Uh, let me tell you this. Uh, my mom and I have a differing uh, political viewpoint. We do. So uh, suffice it to say, we, we see things from a completely different angle. Let, let me explain to you. You know that um, when you're dealing with somebody that you love, uh, this is how a conversation goes. If you were to listen in on me or if I were to actually somehow, some way record a conversation with my mom, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you exactly how the conversations always go. Like, this isn't sometimes. This is all the time. I even wrote down so I didn't get it wrong. Here's exactly how my conversations go with my mom, who has a different political bent than I do. I call her and I say, hey, mom, how you doing? She'll say this. Lance, straight up. Lance, you and I both know that the person that you're intending to vote for is the worst human on the planet. It's the worst human that ever breathed oxygen. This person is evil. There's nothing good in this person. They are pure evil. In fact, and then she goes on to quote her favorite news channel uh, and all the things that go into it, and she'll say something like, something I should know, and did you know? And she would tell me something about that. And then she'll say this. After she takes a big breath, she'll say, well, other than that, I'm fine. She'll say, uh, now, Lance, you know I don't want to talk politics. How are you and Polly doing? <laughs> it would be hilarious if it wasn't so true. But that's my mom. That's how it works, right? Listen, it's amazing to me at how quick and how jabby we can get. Now, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I might have a comeback or two for her <laughs> periodically. Uh, but I can tell you that isn't it funny how we are as Christians? We, we, we don't mind sparring a little bit. We don't even mind discussing it. There are times when I can't wait until whenever this thing calms down that we get a chance to just talk about Jesus, right? Can I just tell you this? I feel like I, I just want to be a voice in the wilderness saying, Church, it's not all about the politics. I promise you. It's about Jesus. There's people who are lost and going to hell. And 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 before someone sends me email and tries to tell me that, that it's all about politics, I'm going to tell you this. It's not. <laughs> it's about Jesus. There's a heaven and a hell. There, there's a right and a wrong. There's a lost and a found. We've got to be people who remember that. We've got to be people who remember that. I'm as guilty as the next in wanting to stand up and support and uh, cheer on my the people that I believe for. But come on, right? King David writes this Psalm 16 at a time of great distress. Great distress. That's why he says, Lord, you are my refuge. I cry out to you. I cry out to you. You know, I want to tell you a few things to consider when you're getting ready to vote. David cries out from a time of, of, of anxiety, if you will. David cries out from a place saying he's looking for refuge. Can I tell you, as you're voting, as you're getting ready to do that thing, remember that God is your refuge and that you can run to him and say, God, I just need cover. I just need shelter. I need you, just like David did, right? Here we go. Let me give you a couple of tips. It says here from Psalm 16, tip number one, number one, be grateful for people who've gone before us. Number one tip before voting, be grateful. Grateful for the people who've gone before us. Listen to what it says. 
Back up in verse 1. It says, Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. All good things come from you. I love that. Then he goes on to say this in verse 3. This is the most important. Verse 3 says this, The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. It's funny because David says, um, I'm looking for refuge, I'm looking for safety, I'm looking for shelter. But then he says, but the godly people in the land, man, they're my true heroes. It's Listen, it's so important for us to remember that. I think we forget the freedom that we have to vote, the freedom that we have to complain, the freedom that we have didn't come cheap. Freedom was never free. And freedom is never free. There's so many of us who experience the pleasure of the freedom that we have here in this country, and we've forgotten how we got it. We've forgotten how we got it, that there's lots that took place before we could have experienced this freedom that we have. And I just want to tell you, before you start to vote, I want us to stop and for a moment say thank you. Also, I want to say thank you to all those people who were left behind from the people who were sent off to go pay the price for us to have this freedom. Thank you. And, and before you think this is a, a, some other kind of a sermon, I want to tell you this. This, this, this morning, I want to challenge you. We've got to be remembering that freedom was never free. And sometimes I feel like we're acting like a bunch of spoiled children that just say, well, I have all this wonderful stuff and I just want to complain even more. Instead of saying, I'm so thankful for the price that was paid so that I can now be where I'm at. We need to start with being thankful. We need to start with being thankful. Could you imagine if you sat down to vote, or maybe you sat down to in the polls, or you sat down with your, your ballot and you began, before you even started, you just were thankful. And you said, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this freedom. That, that's my challenge for you. Be thankful. Number two, tip before voting. Here we go. Know this. Number two, remember that God is sovereign. Number two, God is sovereign. I don't know if you know this, but Psalm 16 says this in verses 4 through 7. It says, for, it says, those who chase after other gods will be filled with sorrow. I will not take part in the sacrifices or even speak the name of their gods. Lord, for you alone are my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine, and the land you have given me is pleasant. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Now listen, the, the word sovereign is an interesting word. In the Hebrew here, the word means one who possesses complete power and authority. Sovereign is one who possesses complete power and authority. Is there anyone more sovereign than God? He possesses complete power and authority. Look at what it says here. It says, he is our inheritance. He is our cup of blessing. He will guard us in the time. He will bless us and guide us even at night. Right? Colossians says this. Listen to this. Colossians 6, 1, 16 says, Christ is the one through whom God created everything and in heaven, in heaven and on earth. He made all the things that we can see, things that we can see and things that we can't. Kings, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities. Time. He created the kings, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities. He is sovereign. He created all that stuff, right? He was the creator of all those things that seemed to rise up in power. It's like a two-year-old coming up and saying, I am the king of this house. No, the mom and dad who, who created you, stop it, right? We act like two-year-olds running around trying to act like we have, we've forgotten that God is sovereign. He has absolute authority and power. Listen, pending the outcome of this election, I want you to know this, God will not be knocked off his throne. Pending the outcome of this election, God will not be shaken or worried. 
Pending the outcome of this election, God will accomplish His will on earth. Amen. God will accomplish His will on earth. I promise you. Pending the outcome of this election, regardless of whatever you decide or whatever gets decided. And in a church our size, there's plenty of both on both sides. But church, can I just tell you this? God is sovereign. He's still sovereign. He's always been sovereign. He'll remain sovereign. He's not going to get voted out of office. God is God. Hallelujah. Amen. By the way, did you know that God always throughout history used both righteous and unrighteous kings to move his will forward? I don't know if you knew that. Let me read a few names of kings that God used in mighty power, both unrighteous kings and righteous kings, to move his will forward. How about Pharaoh? Remember him in Egypt in the Exodus? Nebuchadnezzar with Daniel the lion's den? Cyrus with the exiles? King David, a righteous king? How about Herod? Remember the man of fear when Mary and Joseph and all that stuff? Remember that? How about Nero? Remember King Nero? I don't know if you remember him, but he's the one who burned Rome down and blamed it on the Christians. And the Christians all fled. You know where the Christians went? Throughout the earth. You know what they actually did when, when they went throughout the earth? They actually experienced persecution that caused them to go do what God told them to do all along. When God said in Matthew 28, Hey, I'm going to heaven. You guys, don't stay here. Go, after you're filled with the Holy Spirit, to all of the earth. And here's what the Christians did. Nothing. They sat there. And then Nero came to power, and God used a wicked king to say, Go fulfill, he didn't really say it this way, but the truth is, get out of here. <laughs> and then they went and fulfilled so much so of God's will that you and I sit here in 2020 in South Tacoma listening to a message about that message, right? We love that. Listen, God is not bound by a political party to make sure that his will happens. He's not bound by a political party. Hallelujah. So funny, almost every Christian I talk to lately says this. Well, Lance, we have to choose between the, the best of two not-so-great choices. It's funny. It's so weird, man. I feel like we have to choose between the best of two not-so-great choices. Almost every Christian I talk to says that. I listened to a pastor the other day um, who, in, a, in a podcast who actually said this. He said, well, of course, they're the best of two not-so-great choices. You know, Jesus isn't running. He's not on the ballot, right? So we, we're dealing with frail humans, but, right? There we go. Let me give you the final tip and we'll be done. Number three. Tip number three. Keep your trust in the Lord. Keep your trust in the Lord. Psalm 16.8 says this. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. For he is right beside me. Now listen, if you want to memorize the scripture, memorize this. Psalm 16.8. I know the Lord is right beside me. I know the Lord is always with me. He will. I will not be shaken. He is right beside me. I'm telling you this. It's amazing. Sometimes we put our trust in so many things. Over the years, you've heard us say, you've heard Pastor John say it, me say it, almost everybody on our staff who stood up in front of our church and said, exercise your trust muscles. Can I tell you this? This is the time to use those trust muscles. But when I played college football, there was always a guy or two who, who had super big muscles, but um, that, but they were terrible football players. They looked it, man. We would always say this, that they were all show and no go. Because <laughs> they could look the part, man. They looked good in a really tight t-shirt. But when it came to actually playing football, they were, they were horrible. So they, they looked like they could be great, but they just never played football. They just lifted a lot of weights, right? Some Christians don't realize that we actually have to put our trust into action. This is where you get to trust Jesus, right? Your political favorite may not get picked, you get to trust Jesus. This is where you get to trust. 
Your trust muscles now get to be used. This is why you lifted all those weights, right? Listen to what it says in Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of our God. I love that. So in closing, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Start with thanksgiving. Remember God is sovereign and keep your trust in the Lord. By the way, before I, I close, let me just tell you two last things to keep in mind. First of all, politics and political reform have never been God's ultimate form of changing the world. He's used people, broken, hurting people, right? And number two, remember we talked about worship before and we said worship is what you give your time, energy, and affection over to? Listen, don't let these politics or politicians or whatever it is become an idol that you worship, right? I think sometimes we've done that. If what we're giving our time, affection, and energy over to is politics, then I dare I say some of us might be ebbing into idol worship. Let's not do that, all right? I love you. You got this.